Welcome to Turn on the Jets digital special presentation. This is a Sunday breaking news audio episode. At the end, we're going to talk to Joe Blewett with his final film observations from the Jets and Patriots game. So a little XNL quick hits in there. And he's going to tell you what traits they should look for in their next head coach. He's got a couple of favorites, although admittedly, he's been so busy looking at draft prospects and free agents that he hasn't had time to really dig into the coaching search. And that's why I turn to my next guest. He is the editor-in-chief. And now, by the way, congratulations on this, Chris. Owner of JetsInsider.com. He's one of the best on the beat, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, what's going going on man thanks for coming on on a sunday no problem thanks for having me on thanks for the congrats and yeah just you know enjoying this game getting ready for the second one and just let's talk some coaching options for the jets yeah because this was a sunday that had plenty of news breaking a lot of news involving all of the candidates really because some have interviewed some are going to interview and some Look like they're taking themselves out of the running. So let's start with the big news, Chris. Mike McCarthy, according to Jason Lock and Four of CBS. Now, again, as you joked before we came on the air, sometimes Lock and Four is wrong, but it seems to be a fairly reasonably written report. So there could be something to it that Mike McCarthy is going to take a year off. He's not going to take the Jets job or any other job. Operating on the premise that this may be true, what are your thoughts? My first thought is, you know, if we're just operating on a premise that is true, it sounds, it, it kind of sounds like he's covering himself right now. If, if he was going to take the year off, and then why, then why is he taking the interview? Mike McCarthy doesn't need to do practice interviews. He doesn't need to do anything like that. If, if, if he can sit the year out without taking any interviews, and next year somebody will be wanting to interview and I probably hire him. Um, so that's my first thought, that if, if this is the case, then he probably went into the meeting, didn't get the sense that he was going to get the job, and then he wants to go ahead and try to, him and his agent want to try to spin it to make him look good. And I, I've said this, uh, you know, when we were, I was on with you last time, I, I, as much as I think hiring Carsey would be bad, hiring Gates would be bad, hiring Caldwell would be bad, I think interviewing them is good. Mm-hmm. Going and showing everybody that you're willing to interview these people, you're trying to look under every rock, you're not just gonna, you know, blow it off and discount them. That's a good thing that makes people believe more in whoever you pick. I felt like that's kind of what they were trying to do with those picks, with those guys before. So it, to me, if this is exactly the case, it seems more like McCarthy went in there and realized he's probably not getting it and he's trying to, you know, spin it around to make himself look as good as possible. Chris, you mentioned Gase. He interviewed with the Jets on Friday. What did you hear about that? Where are we with Gase? You know, I really haven't heard too much on that, um, about, like, how it went or anything. Uh, I, you know, we talked about this, about the match and about the way that he ran that locker room, the way he tried to control everything. And I just, I just don't see it as a fit. I, I also don't see uh, McCagnan really wanting to be tying himself to that, and that's the same thing with McCarthy, too. Uh, you know, I, I just don't see that as a good fit for McCarthy, uh, for McCagnan. They're both people who constantly have pushed for more power, to have pushed for more control. And why would McCagnan invite somebody like that into the, the organization right now for him to be pushed out? 
So, you know, they've been really quiet. I haven't really heard anything on how that the enemy thing went through. Uh, they've, they've been quiet, keeping everything close to their vest. But, again, I just, I just don't see it as much of a match. You just brought up the enemy. Do you get the sense that he's a legitimate candidate, or was he brought in just to talk to him? As you were talking about with McCarthy and Gase just being willing to interview the top assistants, the top available former head coaches, so on and so forth. Yeah, I'm I'm going to lean towards him being brought in for that type of reason. And this this was uh, you know uh, a failure on my part, but I had I had known about it, but I forgot about it. The the issues that the enemy had at the University of Colorado that he has in his past, some domestic violence stuff, uh, that, that type of stuff. Mike McCagnan and his wife are advocates and, you know, to protect women against domestic violence. I have a hard time seeing him bringing in a coach with that in his background now. So, and like, like I said, I, I knew about it, but I, it, it was a while ago, so I forgot about it. And then it was, I saw it on Twitter yesterday, I was like, oh, that's right. So I, I can't imagine that McCagnan is going to seriously consider that. Let's talk about Chris Richard, the interview scheduled for today. Do you get the sense that he's a real contender here because it feels like he's another one like Biennemi that they might just be talking to to talk to because they seem set on getting somebody that either has experience or is a creative offensive mind and Richard is neither one of the two? Yeah, you look at all all the other uh, options, all the other people they're talking to, he's the only defensive guy. So are they looking at him saying, okay, we need to include at least one defensive guy so we can say that we didn't rule it out? Clearly, it's, it's clear and obvious that they would prefer an offensive guy right now, and it makes perfect sense, and that's how they should. It's all about Darnold, all about protecting Sam, developing Sam. Uh, so right, I would... I'm, I don't want to say that it's as far as like with McCarthy and Gates was just we just want it out there, but I feel like it's stacked against him a little bit. He would have to come in and just absolutely blow them away, and everybody else would have to disappoint. Is kind of how I feel what would need to happen for him. Todd Monken is coming in for an interview on Tuesday. He is the offensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or at least he was. His contract is up now, so he's interviewing for head coaching vacancies. He's interviewing in Cincinnati as well. Possible that he goes somewhere as an offensive coordinator if he doesn't land a head coaching job in this cycle. What is the sense that you're getting there as far as him and traction he may have as a candidate? Do you think that if he interviews well, he has a real shot at the job? Yeah, I definitely do. Uh, You know, when... It is first, it was named first, started getting thrown around. I, I was like, oh, I, I get the feeling that it's like it's his job to lose. Now, that has died off. There, there doesn't seem to be as much excitement, and I'm not just talking about for the fan base. I'm talking about there doesn't seem to be as much like genuine excitement as before. Maybe that's because they decided to put some focus on rule and Kingsbury, and maybe that is tempting tempting more, but I definitely think he has a, a good chance. He comes in there, has a really solid interview, and you know, I, I think he's got a really good shot at this job, and I think he would do a really good job. 
Spoiler alert, by the way, you're going to hear a lot about Todd Monken on tomorrow's podcast because I spoke to a beat reporter for not only the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but also Southern Miss, where Todd Monken was a head coach before becoming the offensive coordinator there. So should be a real interesting look into a guy who's a fascinating candidate that a lot of people don't know a lot about. You will learn plenty about him on tomorrow's podcast. One guy that people know a lot about, he's been the sexy choice all along, a little bit risky, Cliff Kingsbury, the former head coach at Texas Tech. We're going to bring you a show on him sometime this week as well. But there is news there. Apparently, USC decided that they don't want the Jets or the Cardinals to be able to interview him. And now there's buzz that he may resign his job as offensive coordinator at USC before he even starts because he wants to take those interviews. Where are we with that? Yeah, you know, you, you said it. He's, he's the sexy choice, both metaphorically and literally, because, I mean, he is attractive <laughs> and sexy man. There is no disputing that. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, I was saying, I think it, everything about this is weird to me. I, it's it, They sit here, the reports are that he's going to resign, which makes complete and total sense. I don't see why he would say that right now. I think he took that job at USC not realizing that his name had so much momentum behind it, not realizing he was going to get head coaching interviews. But right now, he's got to be sitting there looking saying, hey, i got two head coaching interviews. Whether I get them or not, who knows? But at worst case, you got to figure out to be able to stick as a OC on one of the staff. And that would be a much better look on his resume than staying at USC and dealing with that. Bad team. If the one thing is he's at Alabama, I got to work with Tua for another year. He doesn't have that. But the reports about he might resign are is confusing to me because why 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 report that and then wait a couple of days? Just go do it. Just what are you waiting for? Just go resign and then the reports can be he resigned. Not reports that he's thinking about resigning, he might resign. No, go resign. Until then, there's, there's not much for us to really talk about here. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. One guy that we talked about the last time that we spoke, Chris, was Matt Campbell, the head coach at Iowa State. He has since said that he is not interested in going to the NFL, so he's not a candidate. But 
There is another candidate from the coaching ranks who's starting to get talked about. You heard Connor Rogers and I talk about it a couple of days ago. Matt Rule, the head coach at Baylor, former head coach at Temple, even had a little stint with the Giants in 2012. He's a local guy. He's from New York. He's got that kind of New York personality to him. He interviewed with the Colts last year, so he's no stranger to interviewing in NFL circles. And now the buzz is that the Jets are interested and they're going to be looking to bring him in for an interview. You heard Connor say it on Friday. Manish Mehta of the Daily News was hinting at it as well. So did Jason Lockenfora as part of his report on Mike McCarthy. So, Chris, what is your sense on this? I feel like Matt Rule might be a dark horse candidate and is going to be a serious contender for this thing. Yeah, I, I'd go a little farther and say I'd, I'd have him as my number one contender right now. I, I think if, if I had to bet money, if I had to bet something of substance that matters on who, has the, who gets this job, I would put my money on Rule. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the New York ties. You mentioned, you know, he went to uh, Temple, did a great job there. That the situation he was in dealing with the Baylor was not an easy situation. That uh, program is an absolute mess. He can, uh, it's really hard to find anyone who has anything negative to say about him. And the, the thing that I like most about him is he's got experience on both sides of the ball. He's got experience coaching on offense, coaching on defense. That is the type of, you know, guy with young mindset, somebody you can see as an overseer of the, the team, somebody that doesn't have to spend most of their time on one side of the ball or the other. He can sit there and do typical CEO head coaching stuff. Just kind of go bounce around and put his input where it is where it needed, it needed, and then go off to something else. And it, that just seems ideal for me. It seems like a, a, a perfect match for McCagnon and for what Christopher Johnson will want. And again, like I was saying, with McCarthy and Gaze not being a match with McCagnon, I think this is, uh, this is the direction McCagnon will want to go. He will want to go to somebody like Rule, Mike Kingsbury, who is going to have to work with the GM closely. None of these guys are going to come in and be sitting there trying to push the GM out and trying to gain uh, power or control in the first couple of years over them. If they are, then they're going to fail for numerous other reasons. They have to lean on the GM, and being a first-time coach in the NFL is going to have some growing pain. You can argue whether McDagnan's the guy for that or not. But they're going to have to do that, and I just feel like that somebody like that is exactly what McCagney is looking for. Chris, let's talk about the last name on this list, and that is Jim Caldwell, the former head coach in Detroit and Indianapolis. There was buzz the Jets were interested, and they were going to bring him in for an interview, but nothing scheduled yet, right? Yeah, I haven't heard anything scheduled. Um, now, I, you know, I had, hadn't heard much about when McCarthy was going to schedule, and then I heard it... Uh, yesterday morning, but he had already, you know, run out to dinner with them and everything. So again, they, they played this stuff very close to the vest with this information. So it could definitely be, a, a, uh, you know, a, a surprise announcement later in the week. But my guess is if, if they do end up interviewing him at the end of the week, then it's either maybe rules not coming out or, you know, they weren't too impressed with anybody else. I can't imagine Caldwell's at the top of their wish list. 
I would hope not. <laughs> That's all I can yeah. say because we've seen what Caldwell is and the Jets need somebody that could be better than that. As I've said many times when people talk about McCarthy and Caldwell, yes, we've seen them be head coaches at the NFL level and take teams to the playoffs and in McCarthy's case even win a Super Bowl. But you got to look beyond the win-loss record. you got to look at a coach and what he really does for the talent on the team, what he really does for developing players, for in-game management, so on and so forth. And so when you look at things like that, I just think that the Jets should aspire higher than McCarthy and Caldwell. Chris, thanks so much for coming on at halftime of this playoff game between the Ravens and Chargers. And I'm really happy for you that you are now the outright owner of JetsInsider.com. So big things to come for you, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Going to have an exciting and busy off here. And, you know, I still got to do some focus on the business side, which isn't exactly my area of expertise or what I got into this for. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's a new challenge. will be fun. And obviously it's a, it's a good year for me to do this because I'm going to have plenty of content to be pumping out this offseason. That's for sure. Between the head coaching search, the draft, free agency, training camp, there's going to be so much to check out over at JetsInsider.com. And, of course, the TurnOnTheJets.com, which is where you can find our next guest frequently posting his film reviews. You can also find them at TurnOnTheJetsTV on YouTube. I'm going to talk a little bit about the coaching search at the end of this, but first I want to finish off the final film of the 2018 season. So let's go ahead and welcome in Joe Blewett, the co-host of TOJ Film Room. Joe, let's get right into it. What did you see from Sam Darnold and the gang on offense last Sunday in the finale against the New England Patriots? Yeah, um, you know, it seems like it's like four years ago, the the end of the season now. um, (laughs) Because so many things going on with the coaching search. And as you know, um, and have tweeted out there, I've been watching a ton of college films. So the season seems like it's at a far away way. Uh, to do it quickly, the Donald was, he was all right this game. He wasn't at the level he was at the end of the Buffalo Bills game. He, uh, he definitely wasn't at the level he was, um, at when he played the, the Texans or the Packers where he was, you know, uh, rated the highest quarterback in the league. Those two weeks are actually just two weeks all together. Um, he missed some throws. He threw some balls high. Uh, his footwork is a little bit clunky. Um, at times, and he could have, he, he looked a little unsettled the way there's times where he was rolling out. And we sort of all fading away with even where I feel like he could really set up and, and had good footwork and deliver a more accurate ball. Um, but that was also because obviously the, the Patriots are setting some pressure. The, the Jets couldn't pass block. There was no running game. Um, really, he was getting hit a lot. There was drops. Uh, Trent Cannon had to drop on that wheel route where the wheel route uh, was open and fell the ball perfectly. He dropped it. There's another ball where he threw the ball perfectly to uh, Craig Turner in the end zone. Craig Turner dropped it. Um, or drop it, even really catch it because uh, he still needs to work on some things, attacking the ball, um, learning when to catch the ball overhand or underhand. So it actually hit, I believe, Corey's helmet. Um, so I guess he technically didn't drop it, but he played the ball really poorly. So there's a couple throws that would have been 40, 50 yard gains that looked really nice in the stat sheet, got him a touchdown or two, um, but the receivers wouldn't catch it or just run poor routes. Uh, Robbie Anderson, I think, had a poor game. Um, so. A couple of the young guys have been playing well, kind of regressed this game. I'm not going to kill Donald. Uh, you look at his stat sheet, he did have that one fumble, his first real fumble of the season. He was trying to make a play happen. I'm not going to kill him for it. Obviously, you want to see a little bit better ball security there. Uh, so overall, Donald was okay. Uh, the offensive line you know, was what it is. It was, it was bad from every single aspect. Um, Elijah McGuire was okay. He had a fall. He had a big fumble. Ken Cannon 
he's not he doesn't have a refined game where he still has room to to grow. Um, so other than that, though, let's see. Anderson, like I said, struggled. Chris Hernan struggled. Um, I guess that's really it. Uh, there's that I to quickly wrap it up. That's that's about all you need. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the off season, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. How about the defense, Joe? What'd you see there? Um, oh, it's right. For your offense, too. Uh, Burnett. I even mentioned Burnett. Burnett is, is the guy uh, who, I, who I should have mentioned. Five receptions, 73 yards on five targets. Had a really, really nice game. Ran some really nice routes. I feel like I should throw him in there. Uh, defense, it, it was... I, I think Mike Pennell, Steve, uh, Steve McClendon had pretty good games. Uh, Leo also had a pretty good game. Uh, there was absolutely no pass rush. The secondary was abysmal. There's, uh, again, just a ton of miscommunications from linebackers, from safeties. Uh, I think Jamal Adams struggled pretty badly in this game uh, compared to what he usually does. He, he got the few highlight hits everybody sees, but um, there's multiple plays this game where he, he blew coverages. Um, there was one, I forget exactly what it was, but then there's another one in cover four where the Patriots ran a scissors concept, and instead of passing off the outbreaking scissor, to uh, Rashad Robinson and then taking the entering center on the post, um, he, he didn't do that. He, and he followed the, the one receiver to the corner, and there was a wide open receiver, I believe it was Edelman, in the middle of the field, and Brady just, just completely missed him in the end zone. So I think Jamal Adams had a couple laps in the coverage game. He also took a really bad angle in the run game. And uh, over the past couple weeks, he's been more quiet. And then this week, I would say he struggled. Um, but that's expected. He's still he's still a young player. He's still an all-pro type of player, but he still definitely has some things to work on and coverage for people who think he doesn't. You're, you're just wrong. Uh, Tremaine Johnson obviously sat out for reasons that were not injuries, which is extremely de- uh, disappointing. Uh, Rashad Robinson really, really struggled overall. Uh, Derek Jones for playing in his first like, real game, playing real snaps, and it was terrible, which is a good thing. Um, and I guess that's that's really it. Based on what you saw in this game and what you saw throughout the whole season and just observing what you saw on film from the players on the roster throughout the 2018 season and then headed into 2019, what do you think the Jets need most in their next head coach? I know you haven't really had time to dig super deep into this, but what traits do you think the next head coach desperately needs to have? And of the guys that the Jets seem to be interested in, who do you like so far? Uh, yes, I put out my list like the other, the other day of like the guys I'm interested in and kind of how it's shaped up so far. I would say um, Munkin or Munkin is my number one. Uh, Rule is probably my number two, and then I would say my number three is probably Kingsbury. I'm a little bit more worried about Kingsbury, but I, I think the the hype is starting to get to me a little bit with how the players are coming out to support him and kind of some of that swag that he had. So he's he's a little bit up there, but I'm still worried. I feel much much more safe with a guy like Munkin, who's definitely my number one. And Rule is a guy who, you know, I would like to hire, uh, but like I've talked about with some people, including Marcus Coleman, uh, you know, my co-host, uh, he's a guy who's known to turn around programs, uh, but can he maintain that, you know, kind of up in, in the program? Okay, you could take a, a bad battle team who's gone through a lot of turmoil, 
and turn them into a team who, you know, seven and six or eight, seven, whatever they were this year, but can you maintain that, that success and can you build upon that success? So that's one of the worries I have with him. Also, um, but he also has some good coaching experience. He's coached pretty much every position, you know, on the football field, which is something I do like. He's a guy who's very well received. Uh, and then Munkin for many, many, many reasons that me and you have discussed and, uh, things that I've seen over just the last year with the Buccaneers taking a bad offense with, you know, very little weapons, uh, injured and older to Sean Jackson, um, Mike Evans, who's the top receiver. But other than that, you know, you have guys like Peyton Barber running the ball with no real offensive line. Guys like Jameis Winston is extremely inconsistent. Ryan Fitzpatrick, quarterback, and he took that offense. And I believe they were uh, number one in yards in the entire NFL this season. So he's a guy who is not afraid to take deep shots. And, uh, he, he, if it's fourth down and shorter than five and the pass is the yard, he's going for it. So he has some balls, and I like that. Um, and just overall, from what I want to see, I just want to see his young, you know, offensive mind. Other than that, it doesn't have to be if there's a great defensive guy out there. Um, can you take him and play him with a young offensive mind or just an offensive guy? Yeah, sure. But, um, over the last, you know, 75 years, the Jets have went defense. I'm kind of looking for an offensive guy, uh, who's going to take some shots, who's going to be innovative, um, with his, you know, speaking to guys like Munkin or guys like Rule or even guys like Kingsbury, where a lot of people are interested in, you know, Mike McCarthy and his experience, but his, what is, you know, showing what you've done lately. And he has done nothing lately. And our guy, Michael Nani, I put out a stat, you know, earlier today on Twitter that coaches who have won a Super Bowl and switched teams, uh, zero of those coaches have won another Super Bowl, um, in their entire tenures. So no coach has ever done it before is going to be McCarthy, a guy who, um, has been questioned, you know, you know, or questioned about with his with his play calling, with his with his conservativeness, and sometimes um, his timeout management, his game management, uh, how people get along with him. Obviously, he couldn't make a you know he can continue to make the marriage work with him and Aaron Rodgers. Just never a good sign. So, how's he going to do with the Jets? Um, I feel like they've always underachieved. So, I guess you know, just in short, I want to I want an offensive line who's going to develop and continue to grow with the NFL instead of a guy like Mark Mike McCarthy who's stuck in the past who has a lot of isolation routes. Um, you know, so I, I need that guy. That's that's Sean McVay, who's going to offensive guys in the way they're supposed to be used. Um, so that's you know, I guess I, I guess it's an another for. Sounds like a good criteria and a good checklist, Joe. Looking forward to your thoughts when the Jets finally make their decision. And I'm very excited to watch your breakdowns for free agency and for the draft. I know that you've been working specifically on studying the pass rushers. So before we go, why don't you let everybody know what they have in store for them this offseason on TOJ Film Room? Yeah, and that's, that's why I started talking before. I haven't got like super to the coach. I've been... I've, I've been I've had some knowledge as a coach. Obviously, you look and you want to read up a little bit, but I'll, I'll do that, that heavy research when you hire the guy because I'm not going to start looking at the offenses they run and specific other stuff. But I do know, you know, guys like Kingsbury run, run the airway, which I obviously do some research on, you know, a little bit about it, but then you're going to get more detail about what specific concepts are like around the area. I'll really do some research and then I'll, I'll put some, you know, Twitter film up or talk about it on the show and show some examples of the players around them. You know, who's going to fit where, like a guy like Kingsbury, like guys like that. And meanwhile, are going to be very prevalent in offense because an air raid type system is, you know, pass a lot of that passing game kind of takes, um, almost a form of itself where it's going to kind of replace the running game. They're going to pass 60 to 70% of the time to allow those passes are screens and tunnel screens and, uh, jet sweep, uh, jet sweeps and all this stuff where they're, you know, pass the ball. So it's, um, 
guys like Lula or even guy like in free agency, uh, Golden Tate could run with the ball after the, you know, or run with the ball after the catch and be very prevalent where guys like Robbie Anderson might not be as prevalent. So, uh, I've been reading up a little bit on stuff like that, but the real, <laughs> the real nitty gritty of what, what, what I've been getting into, which you know, Scott, because we've been talking about it, uh, is film already recorded like 60 to 70 plays of Le'Veon Bell that's ready to go once the coaching search dies down. Uh, and then I've been working for the last couple of days on the edge rushers where I'm going to take probably it's going to be around the top 20 to 30 guys in the draft after, you know, like I would say, I had to be scouting you know, quarterbacks because that's just, it's just not necessary. And maybe that's going to really be interested in it. But, you know, outside linebackers, offensive tackles, even guys like Devin White, um, you know, corners, whatever it may be, um, I'm going to have some, I'm going to break it down. I've already done. You know, Nick Bosa, done Cleveland Farrell, uh, or Cleveland Farrell, I done, uh, starting right now in Burns. So it's going to be very interesting. I have some tapes that are going to, like you said, uh, kind of challenge conventional draft wisdom or however you worded it. Um, so it's going to be fun. It's going to have a lot of breakdowns, going to have a lot of shows about it. And I'm really looking forward to kind of sharing my opinions on this draft class because it definitely is interesting. And I've heard some things I don't agree with. Unfortunately, can't wait to watch your breakdowns, Joe. If you're not subscribed yet, go ahead over to YouTube, turn on the Jets TV, follow Joe on Twitter at JoeRB31. You are not going to want to miss his prospect breakdowns or the breakdowns of prospective free agents. I think there may be something in store for you involving a gentleman named Le'Veon Bell in the future. Joe and I have had some chats about this, and I think he's going to do some fantastic breakdowns of Bell, not just as a running back, not just as a wide receiver but even as a blocker you'll get to see all aspects of bell's game in joe's breakdown so go ahead and subscribe right now turn on the jets tv over on youtube and of course you know in the meantime while you wait for those there are plenty of great podcasts going on including this one where we broke down the latest coaching news talked a little bit of film and you're going to get plenty of this throughout the entire offseason on a daily basis. So if you're not subscribed already, go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. And throughout the entire offseason, you know where to find us. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.